exactly does it mean to share your hotness? We all have our own unique spark. We are burning out of control like a wildfire, attracting attention, but is it the right kind of attention? All around us are people who are campfires. They don't get as much attention, but their story, their signature spark, their heat that attracts us close to them, those stories need to be shared. On this podcast, we're sharing their stories, their stories of resilience, overcoming, how to find joy, happiness, everyday people who found their spark and made their life amazing. Hello and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host, Lita Green, and my guest today, Christine Price. Um, excuse me, Christine Price Hole, right? It's well, I have a way to introduce that. <laughs> okay, okay. Because clarify, because I'm like, wait, Christine Hole, but it said Christine Price, but I know you as author Christine Hole. So Yeah. What? It's okay. So I Yes. I, I talk about Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. This is the funny part. <laughs> and like, I have a, a first awakening series where it's like, kind of like the self-awareness, right? Right. And you know, that obviously, obviously represents a divided self, but through my experience in all these frequency ranges, um, I have, I introduced myself as Dr. Price and Mrs. Hole. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Cause I'm like, wait a minute. I'm so confused right now. <laughs> so yeah, um, so I have a former name as Dr. Price and, and that's kind of my clinical side. I'll show you my fun picture. Okay. This is, I'm going to get one made of myself at some point, but, um, but you can see. <laughs> so she's got an image of a woman with a fieriness and tears and then kind of cold, austere, it's red, yeah, kind of black. facing like a tree, but it's like a window that's been separated in between. So they're like sacredly connected, but mm-hmm. they're not, but they it's are. It's the same woman in darkness and light. Right, right. Okay. And she's so. facing herself. And that's the key, right? That's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> mm. Okay. So we have so much deepness to get into, and there's already been opposition to me doing this episode this morning, mm. like delayed stuff. We're going to have to get right in because we got it. Like, I know that this episode is going to help people and I haven't even, we haven't even done it yet. You're right. Yeah. So I put up a post about how I have been. Notice how I said have been I'm not owning it as the current, but I have been a narcissistic magnet. And I realized that, uh, oh yeah. Okay. That growing up, I, three years ago, I started working with a therapist, um, because of some conflicts in my family. And so instead of complaining to my husband, I can complain to someone that I pay, you know, that Perfect. Has, yeah. Good way to has the, um, and I'm a, big fan of therapy. And I keep in mind people, I am almost 50 and I grew up in the era where if you went to a therapist, there was something wrong with you. But Mm -hmm. I think you should have a therapist, a life coach, mentors, all of them. And no, I'm not saying to have a life coach that you're paying, um, you know, what we lived on in college, (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, having somebody that you can bounce ideas off of and that has training or accountability to help you refine yourself and what you're thinking on. Because I have what a phrase that says, if all of your friends or people in your life validate everything you think, 
or 90% of what you think, what they're doing is validating you to mediocrity. So you you did the little, Ooh, yeah. You liked that. Didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I get that. So (laughs) I was talking to her, this therapist of mine, because there's some really painful things happening in my family. And I have tried to extreme measures to try to make my family that I came from work. And she said to me, she goes, well, it's really, and I was kind of, I was crying and I was emotional about how I wasn't able to make this happen with my family and what, what's the next thing I could try. And she goes, well, when you're dealing with covert narcissists and I was like, what, Mm. what? And I was like, what, what? Like, you know, and then has been revealed to me how even professionally I have had these people that I didn't, I just love people. Yes. Good. It, it is Every great. People. I still the people. would rather be yeah. that person who loves people. Yeah. But what was, I was trained to accept this behavior and it was in my professional life. Thank God. And I'm not trying to say this to hurt you because I know some of your story. I did not marry in that pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that is literally a thank God. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I was, as I've been researching and learning, um, not only was I molested from two and a half, 14, I was yelled at nearly every day. I was told I had no worth. Um, we can call that severe neglect. Um, I think it's abusive. You know, I can say that now, but even when I say that there's a psychological, like physiological rep- um, hurt inside my gut that I'm not supposed to say that. And I'm, you know, nearly 50 and super proud of it. And a successful individual, you know, in my professional and personal life. And it's so interesting how those little things go back. So when you t- message me that you want what you want to share, I was like, oh, wow, that's going to be so deep. Yeah. <laughs> it be so. It, but, you know, and here's the thing is I've worked with deep, hard stuff as a, so I have, you know, I'm a, a clinical mental health therapist, a CMHC, and I I've worked in tough areas, substance abuse. I've worked in, you know, I've dealt with personality disorders. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And, and so I got to have some hard stuff up in the work environment, obviously. Yeah. 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 But when you have to go home to it too, <laughs> and that's, right. like, that's why I was like prefacing yeah. it because I think so often we think there's a big fallacy in life and, you know, Jesus, when they came to him and says, why is this man blind? You know, did he send or his parents send? I, for some reason, we as a human condition in religion or not, we think if something bad's happened to us, clearly we could have been smart enough to not have that happen. And that's just a big lie that keeps us in shame, keeps us in secrecy. So, you know, I love that you're like, look, I did this professionally and I- I dealt with it personally. And yeah, and, and learning both sides of that it gave me solutions, but, but part of that solution was, um, from a former Buddhist monk I worked with, I had the opportunity, you said mentors. Oh my gosh. One of the most powerful mentors yeah. of my life. A, it, they're true teachers. Like, like full, full on Buddhist monk. He, would, yes. he actually cool. was, yeah. he was, um, given pardon or permission authority to leave the monastery and leave those commitments to become a teacher, a public teacher. Oh, wow. So he traveled the world. I believe still, he still lives in India mostly, you know, he had a tour here 
recently went all the way from California to Florida to New York, you know, but he ended up in Little Cash Valley, Utah. That was the miracle. (laughs) How random is that? (laughs) As a teacher at Utah State, right? No, he was a just as oh look, we we were state. It was so I went through USU. Oh, okay. Yeah, Utah stays up here in Logan. But he was just traveling. Um he was he had family actually. He he'd there's a there's a story, but he ended up in Cache Valley. Okay. So so the thing that was so powerful that he's, you know, there were so many powerful things he would say, but the thing that made him an ideal teacher is how much fun he had with it. Mm-hmm. So that's where like he he had a precept that was basically don't. He said it was, I think it was rule number 11. I can't remember. He had a number for it. And uh-huh. you're like, what are all the other rules? But all of a sudden he'd come out with like rule number six or rule number 11. And you'd be like, oh, so it? you had to like, where did I put that in my notebook? Rules one, two, three. But that goes back to my point that we as humans want there to be a beginning. Yes. And an want end. order and structure. We want to be able to say, oh, I don't want that to happen. So what did they do wrong? Or what did I do wrong to not have, you know, to help? Yes, like, why did this happen? But yeah, right. his rule was don't take any, everything so seriously. And then you'd be like, well, wait, what are all the rules? And you're flipping through your page. And he's like, there, I didn't give rules one through whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do that sometimes. Like when I'm queen of the world, you know, cause it's not like I've really sat down or written down my constitution, but you know, I just randomly, I'm like, these are rules. These are rules that should happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, but sometimes it, there are no rules and, but there are principles and, right. you know, and I think that's the key. That's so, a, that's a good thing. There are no want me rules. to introduce the rest of myself. Yeah. There are no <laughs> rules. There are principles. I, yes. I like that because though no rules leads to anarchy and chaos. Yeah. But principles lead to character development. Ooh, that's beautiful. I love that. Well, you said it. I just was like, mm, juicy. Okay. Finish introducing yourself, my friend. Okay. So, so my professional, so the Dr. Price side is I also got a doctorate in natural medicine. And that's what was so interesting is that I had this clinical background in mental health. But the year that I started my mental health training at USU, I also found Alinda. And then something I wrote lately, it was like, Alinda is not a Karen. <laughs> okay. I was like, now what? I'm sorry. I'm not familiar with the, the stereotype around Linda. Well, I'm creating it. I'm going oh, to. Create it. Oh, got it. Okay. <laughs> I'm not a like, Linda. Hey, wait, I haven't, I hadn't heard that. And I think it's mean to make fun of Karen. I think we should call our, our troopers Rona as in oh. coronavirus. Yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, she ruined a lot of parties. Oh yeah. Yeah. Rona is an issue. Well, Alinda is a massage therapist who teaches you how to read your chakras. That's what Alinda is. Okay. Got it. Okay. (laughs) You know what? I know what Alinda is now. (laughs) So I met Alinda the year I started grad school and it was fascinating to be learning all these things about energy healing. Yeah. At the same time, you know, I had to keep the worlds very separate for most of my career. And then I was able to go into private practice and merge them together and become what I call an integrative mental health therapist. Now, and this is when, now, did you marry your spouse after all these? Well, I'll I'll share. Yeah. I'll share where all that kind of fits in because the, the journey going into my um, mental health career, 
I left my first marriage, which was to an alcoholic addict. Mm -hmm. And that was the marriage where I learned. um, and, And it was crazy making because his behavior was so extreme. Um, and I could see it. I mean, like he, you know, the, the last year we were together, we were together 10 years. The last year we were together, he went back to dealing meth. We had two oh. little kids at home. Oh, okay. So this is what he I'm really, dealing with. Is the meth in the house? Cause that, isn't that just dangerous just to have kids? He, it was right at the corner gas station. So it wasn't too far away, but close enough that strange people started coming to the door. Well, but, but I'm, but I'm just talking about his, uh, my, I mean, my inventory for my particular drug that I deal <laughs> makeup and skincare case. Anyone? Oh yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I just wanted to be clarifying is not illegal, but, um, isn't it bad to have that even around you physically? Well, like- it was frightening mostly. Um, it was not, I don't know how much it was in the house, but I know okay. that he was involved in a lot of exchanges outside the house. So, so that, you know, he was not home much is what right. I came down to. Yeah. And then and I had to figure was, out where he was. What were you getting? And yeah, and he would sleep when he would come home. That's typically the pattern. Oh. So, um, but it was, it was a thing where I had spent 10 years basically using this opera as an opportunity to develop my own recovery. So this is where I started. I had a very low frequency life experience. And I grew and evolved through that marriage. And the biggest, most important thing for me was joining Al-Anon. So Mm -hmm. I started doing my own work through that. Um, And it didn't, it wasn't because I was looking to do my own work, obviously. I mean, when you're dealing with something like that and, you know, before the math, he was, he would get his paycheck on Fridays and he wouldn't come home till Saturday and half of it would be gone because he spent it on the, at the bar or wherever. And as a young, you know, like newlywed, I was just like beside myself, like what the crap am I supposed to do with this? And, well, and the scary thing is, is I'm assuming you did what most people do because people always say, oh, why didn't she leave? Or why didn't he leave? You know, I have a sibling that stayed in an abusive relationship for 18 years, Yeah, you know, and one, you love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, unfortunately we don't just fall in love with what's healthy you know, you fall in love with what you spend time with. Well, and it was, it was the, I created that because there's a whole, you know, other right. And that, that's that's the codependent, the enabling, you know, but it breaks down your, your sense of boundaries, your sense of worth. And so you're like, oh, okay, this is life. Is that, cause I just think it's really hard when people judge someone in an abusive situation And they're like, well, I would. And you're like, you're not there. So how can you really make that determination of what you would do? You know, here's what was interesting though. I was the abusive one in the situation. Okay. Okay. So he, he was, a you don't consider so alcohol and drugs contributing to abusiveness of that. It was dynamic. crazy making. It was totally crazy making. Right. Yes. So I ended up in the mental health. You know, I ended up in a psych ward. So yeah. what were you doing that, if I may ask that was abusive? So that's where I start to, I can start talking about ego structure. Okay. So, so I now looking back, I can see that I was developing a personality disorder basically during uh-huh. this time from, you know, it, 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 there's residue of that that goes back way before I met him, right. but it reinforced or it, it was my way of coping with the insanity was right. through a lot of it. The ego will show up and be like, 
you know, you'll, it'll create certain structures in the psyche to cope and to survive. It's right survive. with the limited choices that are perceived or available. Yeah. And so, and I, and I can go through kind of a list of those, but this version of, you know, this version of me, I guess, um, developed what's a personality disorder con- called OCPD, obsessive compulsive personality disorder. Yeah. I, I'm like, I, I know what yeah. that one is. But you know what you. that one is? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I, I heard it when you said OCP, I was like, oh, yep. But good for um, putting it it's out there. It's different than OCD. Right. Because it's more of a, it's a rigid structure. And so I became basically the parent in the relationship. And as he acted out as a really dysfunctional child, I would, my parent structure would increase. Right. Well, And also, <clears throat> isn't it kind of like with OCD, people have repetitive like thoughts that most of us would dismiss, they fixate on. Yeah. My, my son has OCD. It seems to run in my husband's side. Of the yeah. Family. So with OCP. And so I've studied quite a, a bit about that, but with yeah. OCP is you are, if, tell me if I'm wrong, but what I heard about it or read about it or whatever, was that you were trying out different personality traits to see what protects you. Good. Yeah. It's self-protective for sure. It's um, controlling is one of the features of that. But I didn't know this was this, what was going on with me. All I knew was that my life was insane. And I went to find help for him. And this wise woman <laughs> said, you need help for you. <laughs> yeah. I, I laugh at that because, uh, you know, you know, it, it's, it's so much nicer when, when we know someone else is at fault to want to fix them, but it's also this loving nature to like, oh, I, what, what do I, I'm willing to adjust however I have to adjust to fix them when really it's not about them. We're, you know, we're staying in an unhealthy dynamic. Yeah, there's a reason. And so part of it is I did not want to deal with my shadow. He played a perfect role so that I could be the parent so that my ego could be the hero. Right. And he, you know, and if you've seen the drama triangle, there's, it's, um, people will say, you know, hero, victim, villain, you know, hero, victim, attacker. But it's not always that clear cut that each role. Yeah, I can, you can move around in it, but I like the V's. I like victim, villain, and vindicator. And, you know, so the hero vindicator was a lot more like, you know, for the ego, it's like, well, I'm going to play that role. Mm-hmm. So, so really what was going on during this 10 years is I was, and the vindicator that. is like the enabler of it in a way, right? Could, yeah, that could come in for sure. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, I know in the patterns in in my life that I would do everything I could to cover up for them. Yeah. Is it that part be. of the victim or is that the, the vindicator? Yeah, I would say I would go towards the victim with that one a oh. little bit. Well, thanks. You know, I'm just getting some free. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. And it depends because it is, it is interesting to kind of delve into the ego of the hero. So you're looking at like, what if, if you're covering up, so you still look good, that would be hero. Right. If you're, covering it wasn't about because, from, in my particular case, it wasn't about me looking good. It was about making sure the dynamic of the relationship that was set by them that meant we're supposed to look good as a family was being satisfied. 
then that would be more victim. So you were disempowered by it. Yeah. So there'd be lots of yelling. The phone would ring. Hi. Right. You know, nice. Yes. Everything's fine. One time the, I was being yelled at and, you know, which to me was not a big event. And my friend knocked on the door to come get me. And, um, my mom liked him quite a bit. So she let me go, you know, but she was like, I was like, Oh, hi, how are you? And we get in the car and he goes, what the hell was that? Oh, never. Seen and that it ever. was the first time that I was aware that I wasn't as good at hiding it as possible. Oh, but it freaked wow. him out because he could hear the yelling when he rang the doorbell. Interesting. And then I'm all acting like there's no problem. And he's just like, what? And we're so you still learned that before you, yeah, you grew up with that. That's what you've yeah, yeah. Um, th- my, there was an incident at two and a half that was the, the psychological break for for my mom, and very nice lady. If you if you like me, you like her. Like she's great. She's very socially aware, but basically she'd use up everything she had out there. But in the home, it, you know, it was uh, it was very different. You know. But yeah, that was a, that was a big moment. So that's in, I always term that as enabling and you would put that. Cause I always felt like that was a little bit, um, you know, that covering up for them was, was, you know, my playing the role in that form of abuse, you know, like yeah. I lied for the, the sexual molester, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's still in the victim thing. Yeah. Well, if you're, if your behavior is out of fear. So that you can look oh, at the emotion. Yeah. So if the behavior is more out of fear, it's going to come more from the victim. Okay. Yeah. Definitely out of fear. And so what's the, the, you talked about ego. Is that the hero and the vindicator? All three of them have, are ego-based. That's okay. what people don't realize. So it's just what part of, because ego the, is designed mm-hmm. to protect you. The ego is a personality structure. Okay. That is it actually prevents your connection to God and your true self. Okay. Okay. Say that again. The ego is a personality structure that prevents you from true connection to God and yourself. Yes. I hope everybody heard that because that, as I started connecting with God, I could not please them anymore. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So I always joke that I rebelled and went on a mission for my church. Because the letter okay. I received were scathing mm. and they would outwardly, oh, we're so proud. And then just vicious, vicious wow. letters. Yeah. And that's the first time I've said that publicly. Wow. I mean, I've joked, yeah, I rebelled and went on a mission, <laughs> you know, but saying it, what was the rebellion? Yeah. You know, because you don't want to hurt people you love. That makes, yeah. And yes. in the case of my, my parents, I'm very well aware of their, it's easier for me to talk about the man that molested me because he became somebody that I no longer had contact with, but with my parents, I love them. Yeah. I want the best for them. I see a reflection of myself in them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a responsibility and a duty to, you know, 
um, I don't worry, I've unpacked this, the honor thy father and mother, right? Mm-hmm, right. And I only have to honor them with living a good, worthy life. That that's all I have to do. But you, um, I think there's, when you're in those kinds of situations, you want to get the best. And you're like, if I'm good enough, maybe I'll get their best behavior. Oh, you know? got it. Mm-hmm. And for a decade, I did. I did get that because I paid all their bills and took care of them and, you know, took care of all their needs. And so all the stresses were gone. So they, you know, they did treat, I perceived they were not, they were, they were not, they were, they were treating my son pretty badly. And that will be, that's my biggest life regret. Mm, Yeah. Yes. It's so Okay. So let me continue with this because yes, we've got that 10 years because there's a solution. And I know that's the thing that's so painful. It can be so painful to live. And people deal with um, people with personality disorders, like, and you're mentioning parents. And I've worked with a lot of clients who it was their parents and that's very damaging and spouses. That's, I mean, it's heartbreaking and, and you have children sometimes. And your parents, were they functional humans or they were fairly functional. <laughs> okay. So, but they were not emotionally intelligent because just mm-hmm. people weren't really figuring that out in the 70s and they 80s. They didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I'm 54 by the way. So, yeah. so we're we were raised in the same <laughs> Yeah, raising that. You know. But you're just old enough you go to babysat me. That was always funny. That's only, so like funny, a 2 yeah. 3 year difference and you could be someone's babysitter. <laughs> Nowadays that it has to funny. be like are you CPR certified? Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway. So, so the, I went through a training with a mentor and she explained there, everybody's given two angels is how she described it. And, and I'm like, Oh, I want two angels. And she's like, well, yeah. I think it's a native American thing or something. Yeah. I know where, I know where you're going with this. You know yeah. where I'm going with this. Yeah. And she says, those two angels will, will propel you in growth that is unparalleled by any other relationships. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they will be the people probably close to you, often close to you. I mean, it could be a boss or something like that, but like you said, if you can leave the relationship, you will, if you can't yeah. leave the relationship, you're caught in this, like you, you have to get through it somehow. Right. right? right. So, um, so these two angels, and they could be at the same time or they could be different times in your life, but they will push you to, that will force you to grow basically. Yeah. And evolve. And that can be a negative and they, can, they are typically the most painful relationships of your right. existence. Because, you know, I can think of people that mentored me to see a different life. Yeah. And I can list their names. Um, but sometimes those make, sometimes those greatest angels in our lives are the worst events of our lives, the worst relationships, because the hardest for sure. Right. That's yeah. why I kind of smiled. Cause I'm like, yeah. hey, it, it's a beautiful thing. I think in uh, Christianity in Victorian, you know, the Puritan belief that mm-hmm. helped establish America. Well, actually there were two opposing ideas that established America. You had the Jamestown, all no rules. We can do whatever we want. It's just for wealth. And then the Puritan ideal. And those have basically been fighting in the American consciousness ever since. Oh, interesting. Um, but, you know, in general, this Victorian idea or this Christian idea has crept in and stayed that if you are a pure heart, then good things will happen to you. 
if you mm-hmm. don't have pure heart where the truth is you that are, is not that exactly and i remember reading but the it's, book. it's it's not true yeah the I human remember. existence has never said you get a free ride oh yes and the book i read was um why you do bad things happen to good people uh-huh. that's the same idea but in buddhism yeah, yeah. I mean, you're the one who studied with a Buddhist monk Mm -hmm. in Buddhism. It is all about answering that there is pain and how to deal with pain and suffer well, where for some reason in Christianity, it's about sin and how to avoid pain. That is a cause and effect idea. Yeah, there's right. So the way I explain that is the cause and effect paradigm is at a 300 frequency where the hero is also at. So if you look at, I do a kind of basic frequency chart model, it's based on Dr. Hawkins, but 100 would be, well, and we, I've had debates on is 100 the victim or the villain? 200 is typically the victim, but 300 is. Well, I will go along with whatever you say, because I have not, I don't know about the frequencies of. uh, Is it? And people understand it based on just. I mean, I know what vibrations, you know, but dark to light. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that's more my spiritual belief yeah. is there's Satan. He who is poopy. Yeah. Okay. And there's Christ, God, his and wife, opposite extreme on yeah. opposite extremes, you know? Yeah. And so at any given moment, you know, if I'm driving in the car and I'm like, ah, so I'm not zoning Christ. Yes. Zoning Christ. So it might yes. only be on the 2% scale. But I'm not a bad person, but nor am I a good person. And yeah. I think we get too quick to put these labels and then think, and everyone who's ever told me what a good person they are is usually doing something incredibly poopy. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? They want you to see their light and not their shadow. Yeah. Well, and then it's also funny that everyone's told me who to be more Christ-like doesn't even believe in Christ. I'm like, you don't get to choose which weapons you hope to beat me with. Oh, interesting. Because these are, these are my sacred cows, right? So if you don't identify with Christ and his teachings, you don't get to decide what it is you think is Christ-like because you've not studied Christ. Well, okay. So that's where I would say is the 400 frequency. And a lot of people live in the paradigm of 100 to 300 and what that looks like. And that's the victim to a slight is the drama triangle. Mm -hmm. Okay. So So you're constantly battling around in this zone of trying to fix the problem. You're always trying to fix it. Yep. Been there, been there. Yeah. But society also does that, you know, society set up to be running in that paradigm, you know? So, so at the 300 frequency, let's give, let's give homeless people who are drug addicts with mental illness, um, a 300 frequency solution, which is, yeah. A resource that, you know, a counselor, a caseworker. Well, typically they don't like in California, I I was watching a documentary about homelessness and they just think if you house them, they'll be okay. Okay. But they have private organizations. Yeah. They don't just need a home. (laughs) Yeah. They're private organizations that are focusing on their underlying conditions with a counselor, with a caseworker type Mm -hmm. of thing, not just homing them that are having a much higher success rate because they're actually targeting why real problem. Okay. But we're talking about personal responsibility and you can't yeah. do that. That's a, that's a poopy thing to do of have personal responsibility. Yeah. So that's, 
So you've really got to get at least to the 300 before you can go to the 400. And that is where you're going to have to, you know, for the solution, you're going to have to turn these villains into vindicators. And that's what's okay. really kind of actually cool. So that's the higher vibration where the victim or the the person who's trying to be the hero, because if you're in an abusive thing like you were, because I yeah. do find it very interesting that you saw yourself as an abuser by trying to fix him. Well, because I was not nice. <laughs> when he, I remember I bloodied him. But is that abusive <laughs> when somebody's No, I literally bloodied you? his nose one night. He was, he was, he brought, he came home. I, I was on my edge. And this was before I got help. But, but I just a- do not think, yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, you're, you're the one with the expertise, but. I have had to learn how to be very unkind to abusive personalities. So you say that, like, here's the thing. We're going to talk about one other personality disorder so you can get a picture of this. So, so another personality disorder I think is important to look at is the borderline personality disorder. Mm -hmm. So borderlines tend to be chronic victims. They are, they are structured in a way that even, and I, I remember one of my friends was borderline in high school, she ended up married to a guy who was just normal. I mean, as far as I could tell, he became abusive two to three years into the marriage. How did that happen? He had no history of that. She did. She carried that history right into the marriage and created the dynamic. Right. That is what will actually happen with birth. That's what happened to me. My first husband was, I don't think that's abusive. Well, my first husband was borderline. Right. So he created a structure or a dynamic, I should say, his structure created a dynamic that created, you know, one part, you know, my total insanity, but it, I, my rage came out. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm imprinting too much of my, my experience in my life right now, because I'm very unkind to, Mm -hmm. to, um, I get nasty letters of everything that I've ever done wrong in my life most of which are imagined, you know, that I'm responsible for every family problem, you know, but three, the problems start when I was three, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, I have a transgender sibling. That's my fault. Mm. <laughs> what? You know, like um, my brother's that. drug use. So my did, fault. Yes. And so that, my response to that, when I get these, I used to defend myself. Okay. That's normal. Right. Now I reply with, as that is how you feel about me, why do you keep reaching out to me? It should be very easy for you to leave me alone. Very unkind, you know, and they embezzled some money around our daughter's grave that was not going to get fixed. So I threatened to take them to court again, very unkind things, but I think we get so fixated on being kind that one of the things that I wrote in my book, love me too, overcoming about overcoming sexual abuse is that truth should never be sacrificed to kindness, Mm. but they perceive that I am being abusive because we wouldn't pay off all their taxes that we are abusive because we wouldn't, you know, we would no longer tell them what they wanted to hear. And to this point where I'm like, leave me and my children alone. Yeah. Yes. And that's not very nice. Yeah. It's not very nice. 
So that's why I'm like pushing back on this a little bit because I'm like, if like my brother was in a relationship where she'd wake him up at three in the morning and he's got to work at six. Mm. And it's, to me, it's amazing. He never hit her. Hmm. Right. Like it, and he almost cost him his soul, but I think sometimes us hitting back is preserving our sanity. Well, yes, it was, I, it was like a a last resort, I guess you could say after everything else. I But describing it as abusive in an abusive situation. I don't know, you know? Yeah. But it's, that's what showed me. I need help. That's when I was like, okay, okay I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Cause it's all about you and your behavior. I will go to Al-Anon because this is not saying. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, totally. So that's right? when I finally did take some person because I dropped, you know, I've been hero, 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 and it is a lower frequency to drop back to attacker. So, right. and I can't, I can't say, you know, I think my attacker was a little higher frequency than his victim at the time, but they could flip flop. So right. Right. Yeah, but I also so, think we need to give ourselves, you know, cause I like Jesus. I think we need to give ourselves some grace, um, you know, um, some grace on that, you know, because of, I yeah, mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I raise my that. voice when I've been yelled at and I just don't think that's abusive. It's, but it's lower frequency. Yeah. And it wasn't, I didn't know about the frequency model at that point in time. Absolutely. Yeah. It is a lower frequency. So maybe just making it too black and white, how. Yes. They love the frequency model because it, it told us. But yeah, you're right. It is a lower frequency because now um, the last time my mother yelled at me before they lived in our house and then yelled at us again. Um, But the last time she yelled at me is I started pulling my credit card out and she goes, what are you doing? And she's yelling, you know, and I was like, see this, it's my get out of being yelled at card. I can go anywhere I want (laughs) though. I only had like a thousand dollar limit on it at a 27% interest rate, you know, cause I was so young. Um, it was such a dynamic of me being like, I do not have to be here anymore. Yes. You've got to find your power. And that was a much higher frequency Mm -hmm. thing to do. Then at the time yelling back would have never been something I could have done. I mean, I was, um, I was 25 at the time, you know, a newlywed visiting my mom and she was yelling and I was like, I got, I got choices. (laughs) Choices. Yeah. So, okay. So let me get at least to the sec, cause that was my first angel. So my first husband was my first angel as I learned this, you know, the two angels, right? Right, right. And I was, and I grew and evolved in that to where I found God. And, and as I found God through a combination of my religious background and, and, you know, an activity there and my deeper dive into 12 And what's your religious background? So I'm a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay. Well, isn't that cute? We both are. What a coincidence meeting someone in Utah. Well, I'm here in Utah. Yep. Yeah. That's so so weird. (laughs) I'm joking. It's like 50% Mormon. So, and it was like, and I love that you mentioned rebellion because my inner nature has a lot of rebellion. And so what was interesting is he also positioned me for that 10 years. He fought against my return to church and my activity. And so I community by going, you know, Yeah. and I, and I got to the point where I was ready, you know, to go to the temple 
And that's where I had to completely surrender to God. So what was kind of cool, if I want to, you know, if we throw in a little religious piece there is, um, and it, and it's heartbreaking because my heart had to change at such a deep level. And I had this 10 years that I was refined yeah, to the point where I, when I did the moment, my divorce was final. I had my appointment at the temple for my first, you know, my first time there. Yeah. So that was what I had within a month of, of that divorce. Talk about high frequency. Really talk about high frequency. Yes. So, it's, so it's always interesting to me when people are like, why do you, why do you guys have to dress the same in the temple? And why do you go? And it's like, the temple is actually why I began to look at the truth of energy. You oh know, yeah, the power of spiritual gifts. You walk in the door. Oh, yeah, and you can feel it. And yeah. you can feel it. You know? Yeah. So it's So I really started to develop my spiritual gifts through that experience. Mm-hmm. And and so with that frequency shift, here's here's my vast expanse is, you know, marriage number 1, I I married my drug dealer. That was my history. Okay. Uh, okay. That's where I was at. So I should not, and I, and I understood that cause and effect thing. Right. I'm like, so that 10 years, I'm like, yep, I earned this. I deserve it. You know, cause you know, I also, and because we both are members of the church is Christ Latter-day Saints, we know that the purpose of life, which is kind of one of the things I love about our particular faith in Christianity Mm -hmm. is that it answers the suffering piece. Yeah. That is the purpose. Cause it's kind of like a blend of Eastern and Western religion in the sense that we know that we did not sin, that we actually chose to come to this earth and that we would be tried and tested. That is the point of it, you know? And so how do we not know that God was like, oh, Christine, I'm going to teach you this very personal. I'm going to allow this to happen because it's going to help you become, like I am totally on board with the idea that I was okay with being sexually molested before, you know, because of what it would make me into. Yeah. And I had enough faith in Christ in the, you know, that life before that I was like, yeah, I can totally do that. Like I can totally handle that, (laughs) you know? So So the, if now here's the thing though, is I also had this somewhat naive fantasy-based idea that, okay, I've, I've now done the work to get to where it gets good. Right. Uh, uh, ah, yeah. Oh, you and I remember you even saying it at that point in time, I remember even saying like, I can live with a hard life that I know is a consequence for my choices and actions. I don't know how I would do with a hard life that I don't think I had anything, you know, that I didn't bring on myself. Right. I didn't know how I would handle that. Oh, you got to learn things at a higher level then for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And those are, those are two different lessons of, you know, is he blind because he sinned or his parents sinned? You know, that's that question. Yeah. Is he blind because he's just born that way you know like things that we didn't choose it's so much easier in the frequency right to go well somebody made a mistake yeah you would think than just to realize life's unfair 
Yeah. So I don't know if we want to do a part two on this because there's a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll absolutely do a part two. Um, and I know today you have to go, but um, we uh, we definitely need to do a part two because was kind of tying up a couple loose ends with the time we have left. You've got your victim. You have your, uh, I, uh, sorry, referring to victim, villain, your vindicator. hero and your vindicator or villain. And the vindicator all, is the hero. Yeah, yeah, the vindicator. So, but we all do this dance within the dysfunction abuse triangle. Yes. And well, it's a one, I call it the 100 to 300 frequency paradigm. And okay. so it's basically the good, the bad, and the gray. But the point is, and tell me if I'm wrong, is the only way to escape that 100 to 300 that you said most people live in is to step out of that triangle. Yes. And for me, that's what, and so that's what I call the first awakening. So I've, yeah, so I've, I've got a series. It's three, there's three awakenings. So okay. So the first awakening, <laughs> we have covered the first awakening. So are we doing a part three? You know, there's a, I don't know how far we'll get, but we might do <laughs> two and three together, but the, in the first awakening experience, that's where it, the change of heart I experienced. I mean, in divorce can be, it's, you typically will have a catalyst that is emotionally extremely painful. Right. Right. And if you move through that in a way that you reach to God, that you are allowed, you allow yourself to be changed by God. So that's basically this OCPD patterning that I had. It was like, I was angry. I was rigid. I was like, I was suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the change process that happened after I left and I started attending the temple. So all this kind of happened together is what changed the internal vessel. They call it. Right. 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 And it, and it softens a person. And so I had hardened through that 10 years. Yeah. And I love that idea of softening because it's, it is something that's making you kinder, more aware, more light. Yeah. You know, I had to soften because the role that he played, and this is what was an interesting dynamic is that he played the soft hearted, you know, like he was more nurturing than I was with the kids, for example, that's what was kind of weird. He was a, he was an unusual, I don't know that it's really that unusual, but a lot of drug addicts are it's different than the depiction that Hollywood makes. Well, yeah, a lot of, of addicts and alcoholics, it's because they're naturally empaths. Isn't that interesting? So he was a natural impact. And they, they take on so many emotions that are around them that they got it numb the addiction and them to, yeah, the substances actually like protect them, so to speak. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So, so I lose the empath. Well, but in this dynamic, this whole relationship, I, you know, I fought this empathic nature, you know, it's like, why can't you man up? Why can't you, you know, like take care of the bills? Why am I working four jobs? I became hateful mm-hmm. because of well, his side. When we have failed expectations. Yeah. It's, it's definitely an impulse we have to fight. Um, I know I went through many years where I was very angry with my grandparents because they were so unkind to me, mm. you know, told me I was yeah. a loser, that nobody could ever love me. I was always described as ugly. They'd yell at me that I was the example of everything bad, you know, all these kinds of things. And they also blamed me for the sexual abuse. They said I was always a little 
a little pro- a little whore. Oh my gosh. So, you know, in my 20s, I mean, it's sickening. It's yeah, just, in my 20s, yeah. you know, at my marriage, they were like telling my husband, why are you marrying her? She's just a loser. So I definitely experienced guttural anger mm-hmm. at them in my early 20s. Enough so that I also wonder, um, maybe this is me being too karmetic, but if it was one of the reasons I had a hard time getting kids is because mm-hmm. I had, God was like, no, I'm going to let you work on you, going to let you work on you you know, that I had to release a certain amount of anger, um, you know, which was a gift because you talk about that, that mentor, right. They were definitely a, an angel in my life because they made me confront demons Mm, and everything. So yeah, definitely how destructive anger can be to us and how it can hold us back. Yeah, I think I was actually addicted to anger. Yeah. And so those are some of the reasons where I'm like, is it abusive or is it just one of the choices of reactions you have in a scenario where you believe you have no choices? Yes. Well, and here's an interesting thing. If you look at the frequency model back to that, Dr. Uh Higgins, he does what's called the map of consciousness. You can find it online. It's all over the place. But if you look at the map of consciousness below 200 frequency are all your negative emotions, but at the very bottom at a frequency of 20 is shame. Then you climb up and you get to fear and grief and sadness and at the top of the negatives is anger. Isn't that interesting? That so is anger very is an that is very catalyst. <laughs> right. It can be so a catalyst into like courage. Y- yes. 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 I, I do. That's what we should leave with. Catalyst <laughs> to courage. Yes, because <laughs> when you are in shame, you are completely in that victim. You, like you're like you're in- enabling. You know, you're hiding for them. You're covering up for them to what was the next one? Shame to, um, I should pull up the map, but it's, I believe there it's guilt is above shame. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then above that, you've got, um, either fear or grief. So I also do, I have a, a program on healing emotionally. And I, and I use it in that. It's so useful to be able to map out your experience to be like, you know, give yourself that grace that I was wanting you to give you your, your anger thing. I'm like, no, if you're living with an addict that, you know, we can't always exhibit these beautiful, perfect emotions until we process to that first awakening, right. To that courage and just being able to appear to be kind to be, you know, loving is not as important as actually being those being things. Loving. Sometimes, yes. sometimes the kindest thing we do is say unkind things. Well, yeah, I do. Oh, there's Ho'oponopono. Have you heard of Ho'oponopono? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I add to that. So it's, I'm sorry, you know, and I, and I, I parallel this actually with my positive well and my love solve method, right? But I'm sorry is how you get into the higher frequencies, right? Um, please forgive me. I forgive you. I put, I insert that. Thank you. I love you. But I also add, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's that little rebel in you and yes. you're welcome. And you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Because there's times that I, you know, as in a, as a parent or as a, you know, as in those relationships with people that their ego is winning. Sometimes you've got to do or say something that it's, it'll throw them. It will create a catalyst. And that's where you can add your welcome. Right. 
<laughs> and, you know, for me, no longer enabling the myth of my family culture has been breaking all the rules, but mm-hmm. it has freed up my children to live a different kind of life. Yes. Awesome. And if I stayed in that pattern and I regret I stayed in it as long as I did to the level that I did, I thought I was doing better. And, you know, we're always evolving. We're always raising our frequency, always raising in our light, right? Whatever terminology you want to put on it. But we have to pushing back and stepping out of the abuse dynamic is not an easy process and you can't do it with please and thank yous and may I have permission. Yeah. Well, you got to change It's It actually requires a breakthrough. So my doctorate is with quantum university and they actually define, like I learned for, you know, I was in this program for five years getting my doctorate and I was taught over and over how to create a quantum shift. You can actually create a quantum shift. Okay. That's where we're going to have to start. We've got catalyst to courage, how to create a quantum, quantum shift. I'll share one thing. Can I share one thing? Oh, absolutely. I was just worried about your time. I'll I'll take your time. There is a way to do this. I've developed this and it's taken me years. And like, I've brought together like all the best things that I found and I'm all about efficiency. So I'm like, let's create, I went through a program that was four days straight. Wow. To create the quantum shift. I've dialed this down to three hours. What? Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I like to measure because I have my degree in psychology for a reason. Right. Right. I have to have certain math skills to get into the psychology department. <laughs> I and, I love math. and I love to be able to quantify change. And so I've been able to see like people go from, you know, even like depression patterns getting the catalyst to get out of that, which is kind of victim stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, you can shift out of that. And so that's why I do this. It's a three hour training and it's, it is the love solve method. I've done a version of it called liberation training. That's 30 days, but it's anyway, it's something that I offer. I try to offer every couple months. So that's amazing. That's that's super awesome. So right now, all that information is on christineprice.com and there's no H in Christine, which is where I, you can Google me if you take the H well, out. They'll, we'll put all, we, we got that in your bio in the first notes, right? Yeah. Okay. So we, those are always in the show notes, everyone. So for all of my guests, please go to that. Not everybody has a retreat to offer, but Christine does. So what, 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 you it's know, online and even yeah. better three hours yeah, online, even better. Even better. You know, so, um, thank you for going so deep. Thank you yeah. for uh, letting me, <laughs> letting me go. No, that's not abusive to have boundaries, <laughs> you know? It's, and, yeah. Well, I think you figured out that anger was the catalyst. Sometimes you just have to like, I just like, you know, you, I you guess I just nice. knew from my experience that it took me 20 year, 24 years in one relationship and 46 in another relationship to get to where I was angry enough to say no more. Yeah. Yes. Anger is, a, and I talk about that in the low self method. I yeah. talk about so how I, to do I anger. Think I just just knew, like, when trick. I was in shame, I was very compliant. Yes. But right? there's a very anger that's actually higher frequency. That will, and yeah. Jesus threw over temple um, t- tables at the temple. Yeah. And you can't tell me that True. Jesus was being poopy. Yeah. There was a certain amount of, 
abuse violation that had happened to the sacred tenants of his father's house. Yeah. And nobody sexually abused Jesus, right? But they physically abused him and he submitted for us. Yeah. But if anyone had abused him out of the atonement, Jesus would have thrown a table at him. Mm. That's something that that scene taught me that anger when is can be justified yeah but he didn't live there he didn't hang out there all the time he typically submitted with power yes right it's well when you hold your power it's you don't have to get angry there's exactly you know when Pilate is confronting Jesus he's like who do you say that I am he's not defensive He's not trying to prove anything to anybody, right? So yeah. anyway, I know you are you are low in time, but obviously I could talk to you forever. So we will just schedule a part two. So you'll have to let awesome. me know. And we'll, hey, get, look forward we'll, to it. we'll release these back to back. So you, the audience, do not have to wait for part two. All you have to do is wait a week for the next one. So <laughs> thank perfect. you. Thank you, Christine. It's awesome talking to you too. And thank you, Christine, without an H for being on this episode (laughs) of Share Your Hotness. Thank you.